Thursday edition of the Daily Tap. Hope everybody is doing well. Hope you are wrapping up your work week. Hopefully you're getting a little bit of a longer 4th of July weekend. Um, we are here to talk to you about why the Bucks need to win it for Giannis tonight. We'll talk about the Drew and Chris connection. Can they bring it home for the Bucks this evening? We'll preview that game. We will talk about the Brewers' major statement this week to not only the NL Central, but to the National League in general. And that will be the show today. So a tight one. Uh, look forward to that. We will have a Friday show. I can't promise it will be immediately in the morning, um, probably a little later. Your boy will be out at the Brat House tonight. The Brat House boys back in action. Uh, if you guys want to come down, I uh, would love to have you. Um, we can have more more the merrier, man. We'll have, we'll have Mitch. Might have Murph. Uh, we'll be we'll be there. We'll be drinking beers, hanging out. If you come down, I'm sure I can compensate you for at least one beer, maybe a shot. We'll have a good time. Uh, love to see all of you uh, out at the Brat House tonight. But let's talk about the the game this evening. So Giannis Antetokounmpo, it was revealed that he does not have any structural damage. It's a hyperextension. He is doubtful for tonight. I would assume he is not playing this evening. Um, and then maybe Giannis will be able to play in game six or in game seven if there is a game seven. Giannis Antetokounmpo not having a major knee injury is a huge sigh of relief. And I know what a lot of you are probably thinking. You're saying, all right, Charlie, like we should care about this season. We really shouldn't worry about next season. And that's such a you know bad look, whatever. But look, man. It, it's a major injury at the tail end of the season. And on top of that, the season is behind. So Giannis getting hurt at this point, and I talked about this on podcast yesterday, is he would be out until probably April. Like if lucky, ACL tears these days and the way that recovers is a nine-month injury typically, Right. So he would probably be back at the start of April, right? So that'd be at the end of the season. Who knows where the Bucks would be? I'd argue that the team they have, and we'll talk about them in a second here, would probably be a six or seven seed at worst. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks were hovering there and then they get Giannis back for the final push, kind of a la Michael Jordan when he decided to come back. Um, what was that? In May, March or or uh, April of 1995, and the Bulls would end up losing to the Orlando Magic in the second round, the only time Jordan bowed out in the 90s um, and didn't make it to the NBA Finals, which is wild to think about. Um, well, not all 90s, but ni 1990 to 1998, right? Or 1991, I think it was 91. Regardless, doesn't matter. Not to get distracted here. So the fact is, is that Giannis doesn't have that knee injury. He's doubtful tonight. Like he's not even out. Like he's doubtful. Like they, and I know that means there's less than a 50% chance Giannis plays tonight. And I don't expect him to play tonight. But the fact that Giannis is even doubtful tonight says a lot to me about his knee injury. It says to me, maybe he can play in game, in game six. Maybe he could play in game seven. Or maybe he can play in the finals. I know there's a lot of internet doctors out there who are real doctors or former doctors who now are parlaying that into like a sports writing career and saying, all right, he's out for the playoffs. I don't think, I think that's just a little too far. I think they're going to have to see 
the swelling, they're going to have to see what Giannis can do. What is his mobility? Can he play on it? Giannis is going to want to play. I guarantee you Giannis is talking to the coaches already about shoot me up. Let me play. Let me play Thursday. I guarantee Giannis is wanting to be out on that court. And they're going to have to do everything possible to chain Giannis down. Like it's going to be like a Hannibal Lecter situation, right? They're going to have to make sure that Giannis is not moving, that Giannis is off his feet. Because he, when he's out with injury, he goes wild on the bench with Thanasis. Like those guys are just a ton of energy. And you're going to want to have that energy on the bench if Giannis isn't playing. But the question I guess I have is, will what what will happen? Like, will will we actually see this? Will we see Giannis not being able to play, and they're gonna move to they're gonna move to Game Six and say maybe we can get him out there for Game Six? Or, I mean, if Giannis plays tonight, I, I'll just say this: the crowd will be on fucking fire. I think the crowd will be on fire regardless, and we'll we'll get to more of the Game 5 preview here after sort of talking through the Giannis injury. But I, I do believe that there, there would be no louder pop than if Giannis emerged from the the bowels with his jersey on and ready to go and ready to play. It would be absolutely incredible. I also would be nervous as shit that he'd be out there. Um, so I, would, I think he needs at least one game. I don't know if he needs two games. I don't know if he needs the entire series and you wait for the NBA Finals because if the Bucks were to advance, the NBA Finals would start on Thursday in Phoenix. And so Giannis would have basically a week plus recovery, 10 day recovery. And maybe that is good enough for his knee to feel better, um, not feel as shitty as it probably does right now. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Or maybe Giannis does know he's out for the playoffs and it is what it is, and they're going to be they're going to be done for it's going to be done for good, and the Bucks are playing it coy, but we don't know that yet. And I don't have a problem with the Bucks playing it a little bit to the vest. I mean, they're putting him on the injury list, they're making him doubtful. They didn't say he's out. I think that's fine. I think that is more than enough. It's assumed that he's not playing. The Vegas line right now has the Bucks at as a two point favorite, which I think is actually a little bit of an overreaction to the Giannis injury, if, if we're being honest. Um, and I, it makes sense, right? It makes sense. And maybe that line also means Trey Young's going to play tonight. We don't know yet on Trey Young's status. So we'll see, we'll see what happens there. But I, I do think Antetokounmpo is going to want to play at some point. And I don't know when, I don't know if they've talked about it. I think it's a everyday thing. I think that's what Mike Boonholzer said. I, I actually believe him in that. Like I believe, I know Bud does a lot of coach speak, but I do believe with this situation, it is a day by day thing. It's like, how are you feeling today? All right, here's here's what's going on. Let's see how you move on that knee. Let's see what you do. Can you move in the directions that we need you to? Are you going to be able to play your style of basketball? Remember, Giannis plays a very physical style of basketball. He does not play soft. He does not hang out on the perimeter. It's a little bit different if, say, I don't know. Let's just use Devin Booker as an example because I'm thinking of him. Let's say Devin Booker hurts his knee like this, like a hyperextension. You could make a case that you could kind of hide Devin Booker in a corner and say, all right, Devin, we just need you to shoot. Can you shoot your three? Okay, cool. We can hide you in a corner. You're not going to play your full allotted minutes. 
we're just going to bring you out there as kind of an energy guy, at least tonight. That's something they could do. With Giannis, you can't really do that. And it's not just like a shot at his three-point shooting ability. It's rather who Giannis is, what Giannis brings to the table. And you could say, all right, well, don't go after loose balls. Don't go after, you know, do a little bit less. But it's hard for people to rein Giannis in. And I think that's the other part, right? Like, even though Giannis might want to be out there, they know he's going to be doing a detriment to himself. And I know there will be people, if the Bucks lose in six, like if the Hawks win tonight and they win on Saturday, there will be people, and if Giannis doesn't play in either of those games, there will be people, well, why didn't Giannis play? And I think that we have to just remember the window, right? And I talked, I was kind of mentioning this back in the Brooklyn series. I think I've mentioned it a few times, but the Bucks have a large window. This window is wide open. People acting like this is the last chance for the Bucks to get a title, are it's fucking ridiculous. The idea is there might not be a better time for the Bucks to win a title. I agree. I mean, it's it's wide open there. That That's a totally different conversation. That's the difference between a window and a door, right? The door to a finals is wide the fuck open. It is wide open. It, it has never been more open. The opportunity might never be greater because who knows what Philadelphia looks like next year? Who knows what Brooklyn could be if they're fully healthy? Who knows what Boston could be next year? Maybe Boston upgrades and Boston's this you know juggernaut again. Miami's always worth considering. The Raptors could reemerge, right? Like this, yes, there is no greater time. That door to the finals is wide open and the Bucks are very close to that door. They're at the same point they were in 2019, which is really weird to think about. And I didn't even really think about it until just now. And so now, <laughs> let's, let's, hold on. I'm not going to go there just yet, but let we, we can get there in a second. So the door is open for the Bucks. The door is very much open for the Bucks. The window, though, even if that door closes, and it's like, wow, the Bucks blew a massive opportunity. No doubt about it. And they'll be like, well, what if Giannis played and we'll, we'll do the whole thing? The window is still open. The window is not closed because you have Giannis for, what, four, four more years, I think. You have Chris for a couple, three years. You have Drew for four. You have guys, they, unless there is dissension, they, are, they still have many years together. Now, there are some who believe that these next two games, if Giannis doesn't play, or three games, are an indictment on Middleton and Holiday. So let's talk about that. There are some in the Milwaukee Bucks fan base who believe that tonight and Saturday, assuming Giannis doesn't play in either of those games, are indictments on Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. That those two players are basically going to be under a microscope in that if they don't come through in this situation, then the Bucks need to think long and hard about their core of their team. While that makes sense in a macro set, a macro idea, like macro, that makes sense. Like overall, the large landscape of it, you're right. Whoever says that is right. It is an indictment on them. And Paul George, the case could be made that Paul George was able to carry his team. Well, they got fucking shit pumped last night by Phoenix on their home court, which was 
a surprise. I missed that game, man. I had a really good night uh, gambling, but I missed the Phoenix one. That was bad. Uh, but anyways, it's the thing that needs to be considered here, just laying it out there, is the relationship that Giannis Antetokounmpo has with Chris Middleton. I think we miss this all the time as fans. I think the media misses this. Look at the comments Giannis made after game three, after Chris lit up the world in, in the fourth quarter. And Giannis talks about his relationship with Chris Middleton, how he's going to cry when he retires, how they've been through it all. Why would Milwaukee pull the ripcord on that? Even if this goes bad, are we sure that they're going to pull the ripcord? They wouldn't. Maybe Drew Holiday, right? Who knows what the relationship there? I think they have a close relationship. But the way that it is being sold is that this is the big three for the Milwaukee Bucks going forward. Like it or not. Do I think that you could get Dame Lillard? I don't know. I have no idea if Dame Lillard would A, want to be in Milwaukee, B, if Dame Lillard would make sense. Damian Lillard has a usage rate that is through the fucking roof. Damian Lillard needs to control things. Damian Lillard is very similar to what Chris Paul could have been for the Bucks, And I know the Chris Paul conversation will come up if Holiday and Middleton do not deliver here. Because that's obvious. But people conveniently forget when they say, oh, well, Chris Paul over Drew Holiday. Giannis didn't want Chris Paul. I, I think we that has to be clear Clear as day. It's not clear as mud. It's clear as fucking day. A sunny day like it is outside right now as I'm taping. Giannis did not want Chris Paul. Chris Paul would have taken over this roster. And this roster is Giannis's. Giannis is the leader of this fucking team. This team goes when Giannis goes. It is no one else. Giannis is that guy. And Giannis did not want to relinquish that to Chris Paul. And and he thought it wouldn't work. And so they they were pretty specific not to not to pursue that. So why would the Bucks just break this up? The only way the Bucks would break this up, and I've said this about Mike Budenholzer, and I'll say it again, is if Giannis is on the bench in those two games and realizes that. Chris and Drew, or just Drew, can't get it done, and they should look elsewhere. And maybe that's what happens. But they just signed Drew to a massive deal. I don't know how you can get out of that. I guess you pitch it to somebody else and say, such as a Portland, you say, all right, Drew and CJ McCollum, that's not bad. That might be a playoff team. You don't really get a draft pick. You can look at that and say, all right, maybe that's your team going forward. But this is a big moment. Regardless of all of what I've just said, this is a big moment for Drew Holiday and for Chris Middleton because it's their time to shine. Now, if you remember those Bucks games where Giannis was down with a knee injury, the Bucks offense actually was okay. They were all right, but they got really tight down the stretch. My biggest worry in this game tonight, assuming Giannis doesn't play, is the fourth quarter. They were so bad in the fourth quarter without Giannis. Mitch talked about it on our podcast that the net rating for the Bucs in April, which half of that was without Giannis, the Bucs fourth quarter net rating was 25th in the league. 
They were really bad in the fourth quarter. And that scares me to death. That we're going to get into a close game here and it's all going to go to shit. Now I know Holiday and Middleton were massive in game seven down the stretch. And maybe the energy of the crowd tonight, because I think the crowd is going to be great. I think it is a the start of the 4th of July weekend here in Milwaukee. I think everybody's going to be in their fucking cups. I think it's going to be loud. I think it's going to be hyphy. And I think it, it it's going to bring a punch. And it's going to bring a ton of energy. And the fans, as much as the players, are going to want to do it for Giannis. And they're going to want to bring this home for Giannis. And I do believe in that. Just as Atlanta came out firing for Trey Young. And Atlanta made adjustments. The Bucs weren't able to adjust to that. Now you kind of have Atlanta on their toes. How does the Bucks' offense look different for without Giannis? How, do, how are they going to bring it to the table? I, I thought, you know, the idea of is it going to be more Pat Connaughton or is it going to be more Bobby Portis or are they going to kind of try both? Are they going to kind of try to blend them all together, right? What, what are we going to see there? Because I, I think, I think starter-wise, I would start Bobby Portis if you're going to start P.J. Tucker. If you're going to start Pat Connaughton, I'd just start Bobby Portis in general. I don't, I don't think starting Pat and PJ makes a ton of sense. I think you're going to want to get off firing. The Bucks have been slow to the jump besides game two. They have started slow. Or no, they start slow in game one. Kind of, yeah. They, it, was a, it was a little bit of a back and forth. They've started slow in three of the four games thus far. They need to come out fast in this game. They can't, they can't come out slow. And they need to just, I, I think they push. I think they move this ball quick. I don't think they slow it down. I think they try to beat the Hawks in transition. The take fouls that the Hawks keep having in transition are easily the most frustrating thing about this series. More than the injuries. Because it doesn't let the Bucks get out in transition. And that has slowed down the Bucks. And trying to force turnovers, adjusting to the trailless team, I think trying to get John Collins and Clint Capella into foul trouble, I think a gun woo is not as much of a factor in this game because uh, Giannis isn't there. So I don't expect him to be as much. I don't know if you're going to get some Cam Reddish minutes again. If Cam Reddish comes out there and tries to contribute. You also remember, Mitch says this all the time, role players are different on the road. So a guy like Cam Reddish had a moment in game four. I don't know if it's going to be there in game five. And the one other thing that worries me about the Hawks is, is Bogdan finally healthy. If Bogdan's healthy, that's a major problem for Milwaukee. And that that's a real issue. And that, to me, could be a huge X factor in this. If Bogdan's finally healthy, I, I'm a little more nervous about this game than, than I would be if he's still sort of broke. But that shot kind of started to improve, right? It's like the anti-Joe Harris. Like, Joe Harris was broke the entire series. He wasn't hurt. He just was broke. So anytime Joe Harris touched the ball or shot it, you're like, great, Joe Harris, basketball. I don't know if the, the same can be said for Bogdan, man. Bogdan has had some bad, can have some bad shooting nights, and he tries to shoot his way out of it, and that sometimes can work to your advantage. Lou Will, similarly, like Lou Will has not had good playoff moments. Lou Will had 
a flash in a pan. He had sort of that moment, right? He had a thing that Atlanta will always remember him for. He's a city kid. He loves Atlanta. Um, he, he will always have that moment for Atlanta. But again, he's on the road. It's going to be a different environment. It's going to be a different atmosphere. And Drew Holiday, my advice to Drew and Chris is just attack. Attack early. Get them in the foul trouble. You're both decent free throw shooters. Chris is a good free throw shooter. Drew is decent. Get those guys going. And I wouldn't be surprised if Brooke Lopez has a moment in this game. I, I could see a big Brooke Lopez game. Brooke Lopez, again, struggled. I don't know what we're getting out of Brooke Lopez, but maybe maybe a little bit more here. I'll be curious to know what Bud does. And I just hope he doesn't overthink himself. And until about five or six minutes ago, I wasn't thinking about the Toronto series. But I'd be lying to you if I didn't start thinking about it. Of two years ago, the Bucks had a 2-0 lead. They lose game three in triple overtime. Then they get blown out in game four. They come back to Milwaukee and Fred Van Vliet goes crazy. Now, there was also a lot of bad officiating in that game, but the Bucks played really tight. The moment got too big for the Bucks, And the moment cannot, cannot get too big for them. They have, they're too mentally tough. I do believe this team is mentally tough. I, the fortitude they showed, they went into Brooklyn and won in game seven. They came back from a 15 point deficit in the early part of game three. And I thought won that game. I know people could say, well, Atlanta could be up 3-1 trying to close out the Bucks tonight. Maybe, but the fact is, is they, they weren't the better team in that game. And Atlanta is not the better team without Trey Young. Now, if they have Trey Young, maybe they are. And if Trey Young plays tonight, okay, it's a little bit different. I actually think it might help the Bucks if Trey Young plays, honestly, because his defense sucks. He can't play defense at all. They are a worse defensive team when he's out there. And if he's out there, the Bucs are, are actually at an advantage, in my opinion. So we'll see what happens tonight. I'm very excited for it. I'm very excited to be back at the Broad House. It's been since last Friday. So I'm excited to be back. And it's going to be a great game. And I think the Bucs are going to win. Feel pretty good. And we'll then see about Giannis for Saturday all right, let's wrap up the show with the Milwaukee Brewers. So the Milwaukee Brewers had a hell of a week. Oh, great week. We kind of talked about the Milwaukee Brewers in terms of being one of the better teams in the NL, the National League and in baseball. And I think they made their case uh, against the Chicago Cubs. The Chicago Cubs are, at, before this series, had the best bullpen in all of baseball. The best bullpen ERA. The Brewers put 10 on their ass on, on Monday. On Tuesday, they were able to grit out a win. It wasn't that pretty. They were able to just put, push two runs across the board, not give a ton of run support to our guy, Brandon Woodruff, but they were able to get it done regardless. And then yesterday, they're down 7 nothing. I'm kind of like, I didn't turn the game on at that point because I'm like, all right, 7 nothing, whatever. Then Weicho hits a home run. It's 7-3. I'm like, all right, maybe I should turn it on. It's like early in the game. And I'm glad I did because the Brewers went absolutely bananas winning this game 15-7. 15 fucking unanswered runs 
for the Milwaukee Brewers. Absolutely incredible. Their offense is cooking now. Their run differential is up to plus 30. They are starting to establish themselves as one of the best teams in the National League. The Brewers have the largest lead of any division leader at this point as we head to July 4th, which is the proverbial halfway point of the baseball season. And that's where the Brewers sit. And Adam McCalvey had a bunch of stuff yesterday. I should pull that up because it was, I mean, there's just some great stat facts there. The eight-game winning streak is the longest for the Brewers since the end of 18. Um, I don't know if George Webbs does the free burgers after 12, but we should at least start having that conversation because free burgers look like they're on the table. The six-game division lead for the first time since July 1 of 2014. Now, that season got ugly as as it continued. It was the first sweep of the Cubs in Milwaukee since April 2013. Awesome. Awesome, awesome stuff. 2014 did not go well for the Brewers. So we will we will forget about that epic collapse that the Brewers had. But if you remember that team, that team was above their skis. That team kind of had no business uh, being a playoff team and they they were perform they outperformed the entire year because they had one hot month. Remember, they were awesome in the month of April and they kind of rode that until it all went to shit down the stretch. Now what's ironic about that year is I that was the summer I started dating my fiance Morgan. So it'd be ironic if it sort of just all came together and it ended as I we started our marriage in August with a Brewers title. Some are saying, whatever, maybe that would happen. But the Brewers have an awesome pitching staff and all they needed was the offense. Well, guess what? The offense is here. And it is a lovely sight to see. Luis Urias is having such a good year. I I don't know if I would say it's an all-star year because of the errors, but he's having such a good year, proving a lot of us, including myself, wrong. I was ready to write off Luis Urias. I was ready to say, all right, this guy, just I don't get it. And I criticized David Stearns. Again, you got to trust David Stearns. David Stearns should be doing a victory lap in all of our fucking faces. Not only for the Urias thing. As my dad texted me yesterday, he goes, are we sure San Diego won that trade? Like, are, are we sure? And I don't know. But the Brewers basically, if you think about it, with Urias and Willie Adamas, they took advantage of a team with big pro- big other prospects. Urias was playing second because they had Jace Cronenworth and they had Fernando Tatis. So they're like, all right, we'll take your extra scraps almost. Willie Adamas was paving the way for Wander Franco. We'll take Willie Adamas. We'll take him off your hands. Sure. And that seems to be like a market that the Brewers have cornered. The not as good prospect with a prospect waiting in the wings at market. I'll, I'll refine that. But the Brewers have really done a good job with that because like Adamas was a big prospect. Urias was a big prospect. And of course, these guys are now hitting their stride. And now it's to the point where I think Trevor Story will be mentioned for the Brewers, but should the Brewers trade for Trevor Story? Like, I don't know. Like right now, where to me the Brewers need help is actually in the outfield. Crazy as it sounds. 
Like, if Lorenzo Cain, I have no idea what's going on with his injury. We haven't heard anything about Lorenzo Cain. Lorenzo Cain might be done. I'm not saying done, done, but like, he might not be a full time player. So maybe should they get a center fielder and then Jackie Bradley Jr. is used as defense? Like, should they actually look in the outfield more than actually in the infield? Because, like, Trevor's story sounds great. And I think because he's a rental, the Brewers, who don't have that great of a farm system, can actually put something together that makes sense. And the Rockies are going to have, like, a full fucking rebuild. Like, they are they are kind of a mess right now. And if you say, all right, maybe you get, and if you wanted to sweeten the deal and add more prospects and say, all right, we'll do a deal with Trevor Story and C.J. Crone, Crone being a first baseman when they need some first base help. But again, do that. Like, this is the big thing. And I guess this is why it's good the deadline is a month away. Because right now I'd look at this team and I'd say, what help do they possibly need offensively? Everybody's hitting the baseball. But is that partly due to the fact that they've played a Colorado team who can't win on the road? They faced a Cubs team who can't win on the road. They played a piss-poor Diamondbacks team. They're going to play the Pirates this weekend, who've been okay, and they always get up for the Brewers. Pirates like to play the Brewers. PNC is a weird fucking ballpark. We've seen so many weird games happen there. It will not surprise me if we have another weird game this weekend. And the Brewers have to do their best not to kind of have a hangover. I think today is a big worry that it will be a little bit of a a hangover for the crew. But maybe not. And I, so with that said, I I do want to know like, all right, this offense for the next 30 days, I think David Stearns is going to really look at hard and they're going to look at things like BABIP. They're going to look at on-base percentage. They're going to look at OPS. They're going to look at all these stats that say, all right, is this a blip on the radar or is this the sign of the future? And if it's a sign of the future, maybe you do stay put. Maybe you just get an extra reliever. I do think, even though I, I really like what Miguel Sanchez has brought, I've logged Jake Cousins. I thought he was a little tight. I mean, that was a first big moment for Jake Cousins, and he, he passed it, even though it was a little bit hairy, and it could have got ugly. Devin Williams, I'm still like, there are good Devin Williams games and bad Devin Williams games. He's kind of a... You don't know what you're going to get. It kind of reminds me of some of those hater years, right? But I I do think this is a solid fucking roster. And I do think this is a roster that can get to the World Series. Like, they've beat the Dodgers. They've beat the Padres. I'm not scared of either team. We haven't seen them against the Mets. We'll see it next week. The Mets, I mean, they did just get beat 20-2. to two. The Mets offense is where the Brewers were. Like, if anybody needs to upgrade, it's the Mets. And if that's the team, to me, that needs to upgrade even more than the Brewers. Because the Mets have not been able to find their offense. And whether that is injuries, whether that is just not enough good players, they they are just missing it. So we'll see Brewers-Mets next week. That'll be a good test for the Brewers. And then when they play the Giants in August, that will be the next, like, final boss. Like, those are the last two that I need to see the Brewers against. I need to see the Brewers against the Mets. I need to see them against the Giants. And then I'll really know. Like, I'm already, like, on board, full bandwagon. Like, once the Bucks are over, whether that, hopefully that's, like, middle of July. Like, I am pushing my fucking chips all in for the Brewers. All in. Because I, I do think this team is special.
And I love the energy of this team. It completely changed with Willie Adamas. I would argue that Willie Adamas is weirdly the offensive MVP. I would say overall, it's probably Woodruff. Um, if we're if we're really and maybe Josh Hader. Josh Hader's twenty for twenty in saves. That's incredible. Knock on wood. There. I was getting nervous when, when a guy is that good. At some point, you're like, can you just blow a save? Like so you don't. You're not like forty and. 45 and 45 and we're in the playoffs and then you give up some walk-off home run to Fernando Tatis like can we not have that happen please um but that I think that's what happened to Brad Lidge right against Pujols like I'm pretty sure Brad Lidge had not blown a save and then he faced Albert Pujols and Pujols hit it to the fucking moon one of the best home runs I've ever seen in my life honestly it might be the best home run if we're really thinking about like best home runs, uh, best home runs like in terms of like distance, like the best home run of all time is gonna be Ryan Braun. Like the Ryan Braun home run for Brewers fans against the Cubs in 2008, there will be no different. I will forever regret the fact that I was I had to have football practice that afternoon and I missed that and I got through somebody during football practice that the Brewers had won. That's t- talk about like ultimate moments missed. That's for sure one. But yeah. Um, so, anyways, that will uh, do it for our show. Yeah, the Brewers have the Pirates tonight. Um, we will talk Bucks game five tomorrow. Like I said, I'll be out at the Broad House. Feel free to come down. Um, but that also means that the podcast will not come out in the morning. I will get the I will get some podcast out. I'm off tomorrow, so you'll have a podcast um, for, for for the weekend. Um, probably not going to hop on on Sunday um, after game six, but who knows? Maybe I will. I'm not going to make any promises because I think I said I'd hop on after game two and then I didn't have the time. So I'm not going to do that to you. I will have a Monday show though for whether it's a game seven preview or we'll, we'll just, we'll see how the holiday goes. Maybe that's what we should do. I'll, uh, I'll figure it out. All right, guys, take care of yourself. Have a great day. Thursday and we'll talk tomorrow. All right. See you. Bye.